0: Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17 this morning, and uh, we are continuing the uh, Follow Me series. This is the life and the ministry of Jesus in chronological order, and uh, we find ourselves in Luke 17 this morning after an incredible last week where we finally, after five weeks, got Lazarus out of the tomb. Um, He was grateful for that. And... um, you know, we, we watch Jesus become uh, the conqueror of the, the greatest enemy of, of life itself, is death. Jesus just almost like the, um, the Conor McGregor fight last night. I mean, it was over before it started, right? So uh, um, Jesus conquered death. Um, over, he has power over death. And so that gives us hope this morning. As we left off last week in John chapter uh, 17, or John chapter 11, In verse 54, here's what it says. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. So Jesus departed Bethany, which is just two miles west of Jerusalem. He went directly north up into the area, just kind of on the Samaria border, up into a a little place called Ephraim, and he was there for a period of time. And we pick it up as he's now on the move and, uh, and that's where we pick it up in Luke chapter 17, and we'll begin in verse 11 this morning. So stand with me if you would. We're going to pick up Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. This is what the Word of God says. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he, had, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, rise, or he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, God, for the hope that it brings in our lives. We thank you for the message, Lord, that you have to speak to us today about being cleansed of something that there was no medical help for. And Lord, we know it's a picture of what you've done for us. We ask you that you would help us to, to put ourselves in this story this morning. You would help us to recognize that we were plagued with leprosy one time, at one time in our life. Jesus came to set us free. And we ask you to speak into our lives now. We give you permission and we ask you to do heart surgery on us, Lord. And we ask that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Now, if your brain works anything like my brain, then you, you won't remember this, but about five or six weeks ago when we were in Luke chapter uh, 17, we, we looked at verses 1 through 10. And if you recall that, uh, you, you might recall that it was a message about faith, and it was specific to, uh, the message was called Faith to Forgive. The idea that it takes faith uh, to forgive those in, in our lives and around us, and the, the idea that we have to you know exhibit faith we have to exercise faith to be forgiven by the lord it's how we come to god and um and apparently the holy spirit wants us to learn a little bit more about faith because as i was studying verses 11 through 19 i think the theme doesn't change i think it's about faith i think the holy spirit is trying to help us understand that we know that being a christian is a life of faith It starts that way, it continues that way, and it will always be that way until you take your last last breath and you see Jesus face to face. Until then, we will be called to walk by faith. And uh, so, as we enter verses 11 through 19 this morning, I'm calling this message Faith That Heals. Faith That Heals. If you and I are going to experience healing in our lives, um, be it physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, then we're going to have to have Faith. Just as the, the late 80s uh, theologian said, you know, George Michael, you got to have faith, faith, faith. <laughs> you got to have faith, right? Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that, that this message, that we as a church body are in this particular scripture at this time, you know, considering where our nation is, considering that we are a nation that is in great need of being healed. We need healing among our nation right now. I mean, we, think about this. We were a nation that started, you know, as, as a, a united nation. We, we started as a people that came together that said, hey, we want to we wanna have this uh, ability to express our religious freedom and all this kind of stuff. And, and yet somehow, 230 some years later, seven years later or whatever, we are totally divided, completely divided. People have their own ideas about what they want to to see done. And and so you have these different parties and everybody jumps on board with something and so we could just divide against each other. And and that really isn't the the heart of the forefathers of our country, nor is it the heart of God. God is a, 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 you know, God is a uniter. And so I say all that to say that, you know, as a nation, the only way that we will ever be what we're supposed to be is if we have faith. The only way we're going to be really healed is if we return to faith. If we get back to faith, because ultimately that's how our country began, it was about faith, it was walking by faith, it was being united by faith. And that is the only hope for our country. There is no presidential candidate that is the hope of our country. He, no person can bring healing to our nation except for Jesus. And it's faith in him that really will make the difference. And so as the church, oh, you know, I want to exhort you this morning that that we have to walk in faith in this world. Now, even as you consider what's what's happening now, you know, you have this news come out that, you know, oh, oh well, you, you know, the uh, the election may not be over. Electoral votes can change. Listen to me. As a Christian, who cares? Who cares? Because the, the reality is, is that God is in control. God is in control. And if he decides to do something different, then we're going to praise him, right? Because praise will be ever on our lips. It will always be on our lips because we are focused on him and not anything else. And yet, maybe you're here today and you're rejoicing and you're, and you're thinking, yes, there's hope for our nation now because this candidate has been elected and, I, and maybe there's another side that's saying, man, no, we're doomed. We're doomed now because of this. And we see it. Listen, do we not have faith? I'm not talking about faith in a, in a presidential candidate. I'm talking about faith in the God who establishes everything. Like We've got to have faith in him. If we have a hope of seeing healing come in our land and see divisions come together and unite as one another, brothers and sisters, then it's going to take the kind of faith that the Bible talks about. It's the kind of faith that we're going to have to exercise if we want to see that. Ultimately, it really shouldn't matter to the Christian who won this campaign because our hope is not in a president, it's in a king. Uh, We're not trusting uh, for healing in our nation through a man but a savior. We believe that God is in control, and we have to put our faith in Him and Him alone. If you and I are ever going uh, to see healing in our land, we have to have that kind of faith. We have to put our faith in the Lord and trust Him that He knows what He's doing. Just as we need faith to heal our nations, we need faith to heal our, our own things that are going on in our own lives, whether it be physical healing that we need, whether it be emotional, you know, mental, spiritual healing. It, it's going to require faith. Listen, Jesus, faith in Jesus, he's the, only, he's the answer to all problems in our lives. We have to put our faith in him. It doesn't matter what, where you sit today and what problem you're faced with. The answer is the same. It's like you have a blank and then equals and you put, you know what, faith in Jesus. doesn't matter what problem you have. You can put it in the blank line there and you can say, you know what, I've got to put my faith in Jesus because Jesus is the only hope for us. So that's what we do today is we put our faith in, in Jesus. Now imagine with me, if you're a leper, imagine the needs that you have. I mean, lepers have incredible needs, physical needs, right? Not only that, they have incredible emotional needs. They have incredible mental needs. They have incredible spiritual needs. You want to talk about deplorables? Lepers are the deplorables of their nation. Of their, you know, in ancient biblical times, if you were a leper man, you were you were the, the deplorable of deplorables, okay? Like, like you you were ostracized from everything that that said you, united. You were you were just cut out of it. You were totally um, pushed to the side. You were shunned, you know, because they thought that the idea was that leprosy came from God. It was, a, and, and actually, when you look at it in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, leprosy really the, the people that got. Um, Leprosy it was a, it was a type of judgment from God, so you can understand why that mentality would have developed. And of course, uh, you know you you times that by uh, a really legalistic system of the day, and the uh, and the idea that you know you have to do good things, and if you don't good, do good things, that God's not good to you, and so you know he's going to plague you with all kinds of disease and all that. That was the sort of um, spiritual uh, theology of that day. And so you know, imagine if you're a leper two thousand years ago. And you're standing in, in, a, in a place where you've been completely ostracized. You know, you, you have all kinds of needs. This is where we find ten people today in our, in our verses. There's ten of them, and there, there are many more. In fact, the, the Old Testament says that there were many, many lepers, you know, back in that time. And, and so, uh, you know, this is where we find ten specifically, and they have great needs. And their only hope is Jesus. Uh, leprosy was a, a, a disease that was horrible man it would start with the deterioration of the inside it would break your body down it, it would you know it start with maybe a, a little sign on the outside of a, a white a white patch turn pink or something like that and then it would turn turn different colors maybe turn black and then you would start to see the evidence of the leprosy that that was existing inside it was a bacteria that would get in your body and then it would just begin to just destroy you internally isn't that kind of like sin isn't that what sin does? And it start on the inside, and then it comes out. I think that's the way it works. And so, you know, there's an incredible spiritual parallel between leprosy and sin, and the idea that we're all sinners. And and so we can really put ourselves in the story. And, you know, it shouldn't be too hard for us to do that because they're very similar. If you were a leper, and um, once once leprosy made it full blown into your body, it would get into your bone marrow, and it would just start to deteriorate your bones. And sometimes your body would just absorb your fingers or your toes, or they would just drop off at some point, you know. Your nose, all your extremities would just, you would lose complete and total feeling. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but as I was thinking about what it would be like to not be able to feel, to know how much pressure to put on some, on something, you know. When you grab this, you you, you only apply a, a certain amount of pressure because you can feel it. Imagine if you can't feel it. I was reading an account of a, a, a pastor that was in a um in a like a children's home, and this kid had leprosy. And he he was trying to jiggle a lock open, and he couldn't get it open. It was like stuck or something. So this little boy, frail little boy with leprosy comes along, and he says, can I help you? And and the pastor says, yeah, sure. And he he grabs the thing, and he just turns the lock and opens it right up. And the pastor's thinking, how could he have done that? He's just a little frail boy with leprosy. And uh, he looked down, and there was blood all over the place. And he looked at his fingers. The fingers were totally shredded because he had no idea how much pressure he put on that key when he turned it and it just that, that's what happens it just destroys your nervous system you have no idea how much you know uh, p- people could just reach into a fire they have no feeling and your mind would not tell you to do that because you know what are the signaling that the way our brains work is based on feel it's based on nerves and stuff you know don't don't do that because it hurts it's hot don't touch that because it hurts it will burn you if you don't have that you can imagine the kind of destruction that you could create on the external side. And so people would just destroy their limbs because they had no feeling. People's faces, it was said that they would, their faces would become with, um, you know, there would be all these spongy tumors that would grow all over their faces and their, a human face would literally begin to form to the, to, to the, to the image of like a lion, which would be kind of cool. I mean, if you think about it, you know, who doesn't want to be like a lion? I mean, they're like the king of the jungle, right? But, but not that way, right? I mean, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be fierce like a lion, but not with leprosy. Because that would be the opposite of what I want to be, right? No, no joke here. No, no. Okay, I was kidding. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, uh, it's my personality. I can't help that. But you can pray for me. But uh, anyway, so, so, you know, it would literally start to change the structure of the face and, and the, 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 the different tumors that would happen. It would, listen, this would be the most horrible way to live the last days of your life. The most horrible way to live the last days of your life to just be deteriorating from the inside out. And here's the worst thing. You have no hope. You have no hope. People don't get healed if they have leprosy. There's no cure for it. You don't go to a doctor for it. You go to a priest, and the priest says you're unclean, and then you're banished. You're gone. And it doesn't matter how much you love your family. It doesn't matter if you're married and you have kids. It doesn't matter if you're the, the, the only child of, of, of parents that love you dearly. You, are, you have to get out. You've got to get outside the camp. They can't have leprosy inside the, the, the camp. So they would remove you. And I can only imagine the torment of that. To be physically removed from your family. Think about that. To be separated from them. There was great need for these people. And yet, we serve a God that is a God of hope. And there is still hope in this situation, although, you know, when somebody were to get leprosy, they probably weren't thinking, well, God could heal me. And yet, that's exactly what the Lord wanted to to share with them in in the Old Testament, in fact. There's a chapter in the Bible that I I, I guarantee you was the most worn-out chapter of the Old Testament that anybody would ever read if you had leprosy. It was Leviticus chapter 14 that talked about how you could be cleansed of leprosy, like when you were cleansed from it, like if there was a point in time in which you could be healed from leprosy, this is what you would do. This would be the procedure. And they probably went over and over and over again. Now, now if we ever get clean, if we ever are... Clean at some point, then we will follow this procedure, and this is what we'll do. We'll go show ourselves to the priest, and he'll he'll take some blood and he'll put it on my right ear, my right right arm, my right foot, and we'll and and, and we'll, we'll we'll go and and they'll declare us clean, and we can be reconciled to our families and all that. So you see the picture of the gospel in that. It takes the blood. You have to go before the priest, the high priest, who is Jesus Himself, and he will anoint you with blood, and then you're proclaimed clean. And then you can be reconciled to your family, to your friends, to those who love you. It's an incredible picture. Yet for these people, they would probably most most of them would be hopeless. They would think, yeah, God could do that, but he, he won't. Listen to me. God wrote a chapter in the Bible for you. Like whatever you're dealing with, there's a chapter in the Bible about it for you. God wants to restore hope in you because he's a, he's a, he's a God of hope. And so I, if you're like me, when I'm struggling with something in my life, I'm, I'm, I'm looking in the Bible about what it says about that. I want to find hope in my situation. I want to know that God can see me through. And even if he doesn't take me out of my circumstance, that he's going to see me through it. And so I, 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 you know, we have these worn out paste places in our Bibles, right? We, we go to Places like uh, Romans 8.31 where we're reminding ourselves that God is for us. He's not against us. We remind ourselves that, you know what, that he has a plan and a purpose and that it's a good plan in Romans 8.28. You know, we go to these different places in our Bible. You have those go-to places in your Bible because you know God is a God of hope. And he sent a Savior to save you. And he sent his word to, to declare promises to you. And so there's always hope. And no doubt, these people were looking for that hope in, in chapter 14 of Leviticus. And yet, it never, never happened before. No one had ever done that. They'd never gone and shown themselves to the priest. Of course, we have some healings in the Old Testament. We have a few of them of people that had leprosy. We had Moses who had leprosy, you know, and he was like, whoa, whoa, I got a hand. Now I don't. Now I do. Now I don't, you know, and, and his, in, his, in his cloak or whatever. And God was showing him the power. I've got power to do all kinds of things. I have power over even leprosy, Moses. Can you trust me? And then we see that later his sister gets uh, leprosy. And she's plagued with that. And, and, and Moses prays on her behalf. And the Lord takes it away. Uh, you know, part of one of those famous stories in, in the Old Testament is the story of Naaman. Where the Syrian commander that is plagued with leprosy was a great man. He, he, was, he was, you know, kind of this God-fearing man. He had a Jewish servant in his um, in his house. And she told him about the God of Israel. She told him about Elijah. And so Naaman goes and he, and he tries to meet with Elijah. Elijah won't even meet with him. Just sends a servant out to him and says, hey, just go and wash yourself, dip yourself seven times in, the, in the, I think it was the Jordan or whatever, and, and we'll, it, you'll be cleansed. And, and Naaman's thinking, dude, I'm a commander of an army. You won't even meet with me? You think I'm going to look like a fool and go out into a a dip myself seven times, that's going to heal me? No, I need medicine. Like, where's the, how am I going to get healed? I don't get it. And so he goes on his way as if he has no faith in that. And yet, his, his servants around him said, hey, what do you got to lose? And he does it. The seventh time he comes out of the water, he's completely healed, completely healed. And so those stories, no doubt, made, it, made their way through the leper camp. But uh, God is a God of hope. He wants to restore hope to you today in whatever, wherever you've lost hope. And so there's a chapter in the Bible for you, and maybe that chapter is, is you know Luke chapter 19 verses, uh, Luke 17 verses 11 through 19. Maybe it's this chapter. Maybe this is what the Lord wants to speak to you about to encourage you this morning that you can have hope in him. There's four things that I want to share with you as it relates to faith that heals. First faith that heals looks for hope and the only one that can bring hope. Look at verse 11 with me. It says on the way to Jerusalem he was passing along uh, between Samaria and Galilee. He was, as he entered a village he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Now he was met there with them. Okay, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He had set his face towards Jerusalem. Meaning he's now preparing for the cross. Like He knows his time is short. He's going to He's, gonna, he's now making his way, and it'll take him a couple months to get there, but he has purposely set himself out now, I will make my way down to Jerusalem for the very last time where I will be crucified, but I will rise again. And so all along the way, Jesus is, is um, trying to, to bring hope to the people because he knows that there's going to be a moment in time for three days when everybody that heard his message is going to question it and they're going to wonder, is he really who he said he was? Why do you think he continually told his disciples, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. Hey, guys, I'm going to die. I'm, I'm pretty sure that if we, when we get to heaven and we listen to his messages, that was in every one of them, kind of like an altar call at his church service. You know, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. Uh, you know, And he's talking on the Sermon on the Mount. And then, by the way, guys, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. You know, he, he continually told them that to give them hope in the moment. And he does that with you. Listen, God knows your life from, End uh, the beginning from the end, and He sows words into your life, He sows scripture into your life, He sows promises and and words of comfort and peace into your life for the moments that He knows are coming. Like, like when you wake up one day and, and He knows what's coming that day, He's already gave you what you need, He already gave you His word, He already gave you that hope that you can cling to in the darkness because He's the light. And so he'll bring to remembrance those things. You're like, wow, I forgot about that, man. God, you're so good that you would do that. And so he's on his way down. He's making his way to Jerusalem. We find him somewhere along the border of Samaria and Galilee. And I love the fact that God doesn't name the city. Because if he would have named the city, what would happen is there would be a shrine set up there. And all the lepers in the world would go to that city because that's where Jesus went. And that's where he healed ten lepers. And so we would set up this big shrine and everybody would go there. You need healing. You've got to go to this city because that's where Jesus did this miracle. And God says, that's not the way I work. I'm, I'm, I work, I'm working everywhere at once. Like, I don't have to be in a geographical location for you to get anything. You don't got to go to Toronto to get the blessing, if you know what I mean. You can get it now because the Holy Spirit is present in us. And he's present in this place. Because where God's people are, his spirit is. And his presence is. And so, uh, you know, we don't have the name of the city. We don't know much about the city. But what we know is that it says here that Jesus was met by ten lepers. Now, I find that interesting that it says that he was met by them. Not that Jesus came to meet with ten lepers, but Jesus was met by. In other words, Jesus was passive in the situation. It was the lepers that were active. Uh, we get it when Jesus is active in our life. We understand when, when he meets us. But oftentimes we fail to, to, to realize that really, it, you know, if we really want to experience God in his fullness, we got to meet him. Like he's there, he's ready to meet with you, but you got to go. You got to get up and you got to go. You got to go meet him. And, and these 10 lepers, they got up out of what was going on in their day in their hopelessness, and they saw hope. And they said, you know what? There's a Savior that I believe can help me in my situation, even, even though there is no earthly hope. The only hope that I can have is divine hope, and so I believe that Jesus can do something about my situation. And so what they do? Wait for him? Maybe he'll show up in our leper colony. I doubt it. What are you going to do when you're in that situation? When you need help, you're going to get up and you're going to go. you got to get up and go meet him. And so these lepers, that's, that shows the faith that they have in Jesus and who he is. The fact that they came to meet with him. And listen, when you get up and you go and you, and, 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 and you know what? You'll, you will be met by him because He's faithful. That's the awesome thing, man. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, how big the problem is. God is not afraid of the problem. He'll step into your situation, but you got to get up and go meet him. When you get up and go meet him, every morning when I get up and I meet the Lord and I open up my Bible on my phone and I start to read it, man, he meets me because he's a faithful God and he meets us there. When we're going through times of hurt, when we're going through trials and stuff like that, and we take the step towards God, he meets us there because he's a God that loves to meet our needs. He loves to meet our needs. But he will not oftentimes if we aren't stepping forward. I I can, you know, almost promise you that these ten lepers would not have experienced what they experienced had they not got up and gone. Had they not exercised a little faith, the little faith that they had, the little glimmer of hope that they had, that they would go meet with Jesus. So they went and met with him. You, You know, they met with him at a distance, be it. Like they couldn't come near. Because they were lepers, and the law would describe for them, you've got to stay away. You can't come. And yet, with a little bit of faith that they have, they would get up and go, and they would meet with him. And Jesus would meet with them at a distance. And we'd say, listen, I can work in this situation, but you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. And, and this is just an incredible picture of, uh, of us and where we are with God. Like, like God is in this world right now over, you know, he is at work in everyone, like, he just doesn't, he's not just at work in believers. Like, he's at work in unbelievers. He's drawing unbelievers to himself. Like, he is he's meeting those people where they are. Like, in the little faith that they have, he's meeting them. He's ministering to them. He's, he's drawing them to himself because they're looking for help. And God wants to help. He's a savior. He wants to save. So he's going to reveal himself to these guys. It tells us that, you know, they were separated because sin separates You see, sin separates you from God and you know this. Isaiah 59 2 says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Listen, we don't have the right to come to God. We have no rights at all to come to God. We have no way of being restored to God outside of Jesus Christ. There is no hope for you outside of Jesus. Now then. Kind of sounds like we're lepers, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like without Jesus, we really have no hope. And that was the case for these guys. So Jesus would tell you this morning, you got to meet with me. you got to take the step of faith and right where you are, and I will meet you. But you got to do it. Even if it's at a distance, I will begin to work in your life. And I saw God work in my life so many times as an unbeliever. Like meeting where, me where I am, and as I look back now, I go, man, Lord, why did I not just... You know, just give my life to you then, because I was I, I I saw your hand at life, you know, and I recognized that it was you. But yet, I didn't bow my heart to you. See, there's there's faith that 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 heals, but then there's faith that saves, and they're two different things, and that's what we're going to look at in this passage. But as we look here, Jesus met with them, even though they were at a distance. These lepers had had heard that Jesus was coming to town, and so they hurried up and they got ready to go meet with him. And that's the kind of faith that heals, is the kind of faith that moves. The kind of faith that will believe that Jesus is the only one that can bring hope. And so they're going to do whatever they have to do to get in front of him. Just like the um, paralyzed man with the four friends, you know, do whatever you can do, do whatever you have to do to get me in front of Jesus. Because he is my only hope. And they would tear the roof off Uh, Peter's mom's house, man, to drop this guy in front of Jesus. We're getting him in there. He's going to be seen by Jesus. That's the kind of faith we have that he's going to work in this situation. I love that. Listen, these lepers, they have no right to come to him. You and I have no right to come to him, but he gave us the right through his son. It's so incredible. He gave you the faith to come this morning. He gave these lepers the faith a little bit of faith to well up and get up and go out of their place to come. And listen, he's meeting you even now. Faith that heals um, looks... What did I say there? I lost my point. Faith that heals looks for hope and in, in the only one that can bring hope, and that is Jesus. Secondly, we see the faith that heals asks for things it doesn't deserve. Look at verse 13. And, and lifted up their, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus master have mercy on us when they saw them he said to them go and show yourself to the priest and they they went and they were cleansed now put yourself in this situation hope is rising up in you you see jesus off in the distance listen you know that he can heal you you know he can because he's done it in so many other people's lives he's You've heard of all these accounts already in the last three years that Jesus has been making his way through these regions. He's been up and down Samaria and Galilee. He's, he's, he met with a woman at a well in Samaria. Like he's done incredible things in these places. And you know what? You're, you're saying, listen, he can do it. If anybody can help me, Jesus can help me. And, and, and yet there's something else that I want you to see here that not only do they believe that he can, but they believe he will. He will. But that's a whole different story for you and I. Listen, we know that God can do incredible things. Amen? Does everybody get that? Everybody on the same page? God is an incredible God. He can do anything. Like anything. He could uh, make a rock too big that he couldn't lift, right? He's a, he's a big God. He could do everything. He can do anything. That doesn't make sense. But anyway, you'll get it later. But um, anyway, so, so he says, he goes on. But, but the question is, isn't this always the question? Will he? Will he do it? God, will you do this in my life? (laughs) And and so we oftentimes, we come to God with faith saying, God, I know you can. I just don't know if you will. I just don't know if you will. And, and, And yet I would tell you that that is unbelief. That is doubt. That's saying that God isn't for you, that God doesn't love you. Now here's the deal is that I believe God will in his own way he will work in your life in his own way like not that he's just like well i'm not gonna cuz you don't deserve it you don't deserve it anyway but the reality is is that he can and he will as he sees fit right and i'm okay with that are you okay with that because we have to have that mindset because that's the mindset of faith like we talked about this a little bit last week there's a there's a dynamic here with with faith and with healing that goes hand in hand Uh, the caveat is that we trust God no matter what, but we believe him for it. And so to doubt God, to say, I'm not sure you will, would, would, would kind of hamstring, hamstring him a little bit because he operates, he, he operates in this world today by, you know, by our faith. Like if he wants to do something in our situation, we've got to have faith because faith oftentimes, not all the time, is the way that he works in the healing. You know, he couldn't do many, many great things in, the, in his own hometown because they were unbelieving. And so there's a dynamic there. Of course, we're talking about God's will as well. The idea that, you know, it has to be God's will for anything to be done. doesn't matter what it is. It has to be absolutely in his plan. Like if I get, I get some, you know, if I got something going on in my life and God says, well, I'm going to use that to press you into me, so I'm not going to take it away from you, then, then we got to be okay with that. Like that's part of his plan. That's his will. But he's still at work. He still loves you. He's still going to give you the faith to see it through. You've you got to trust him with it. You've got to have faith in those moments. So these guys are coming to Jesus because he is the only hope for them. And, and they lift up their voices and they say, Jesus, the name above all names. There's power in the name of Jesus. And they call him Master. Now, this is an incredible word. It's not just simply saying, hey, you are... You are, you are um, you know, you're the king of all and all that stuff. What this is saying specifically, it's only used seven times in, in the New Testament, this specific Greek word. And it's only used in the book of Luke. And six out of the seven times it's used by believers. But it, this is the only account in the Bible of this, this word being used by somebody that isn't already believing in him, that hasn't already believed in him, that hasn't given him his life, give their lives. And we see that, ten, that there were 10, but only one of them gave them. So we see that in the picture here. But you know what this word means? I love it, man. It means the one that stands above all. The one that stands above all. These guys recognize who Jesus is, that he stands above all. They might not have it all theologically correct. I guarantee you they don't think he's God. But they they understand that he is above all, that he is like supreme above everything, And, and he's above their leprosy. Now I DON'T KNOW HOW YOU USE THAT WORD WITH JESUS WHEN YOU CALL HIM MASTER. I DON'T KNOW WHAT YOU MEAN BY THAT. BECAUSE IN OUR WORLD, YOU KNOW, um, OUR DEFINITIONS CHANGE. LIKE, WE DON'T don't HAVE A CONSTANT DEFINITION. LIKE, WE CHANGE IT, SO WE'RE NOT SURE um, WHAT WORDS MEAN THESE DAYS. SO WHEN SOMEBODY SAYS, YEAH, I GOT FAITH, YOU HAVE NO IDEA WHAT THAT MEANS. WHAT DOES THAT MEAN, YOU HAVE FAITH? YOU HAVE FAITH IN WHAT? YOU HAVE FAITH IN YOUR DOG? YOU HAVE FAITH IN YOUR CAR? YOU HAVE FAITH IN, uh, YOU KNOW, AN IDOL? WHAT DO YOU HAVE FAITH IN? THAT'S WHAT MATTERS. So our words don't, when you say master, what are you saying to God? God wants you to know that he is, stands above all things in your life. And so when you use that word, you can use it in that way. Master, you're above everything, God. I'm recognizing your power to work in this situation. I'm recognizing who you are, that you are, you are all powerful. You are almighty. That you stand above everything. You are holy. You are separate from all of this. You are master. Master. They believe that Jesus has the ability to work in their lives, but they also believe that he will. And so they come to him, and what is their request? Their request is one of, hey, Jesus, make us, make us, heal us because we deserve it. No, no, they plead for mercy. And when you plead for mercy, you're pleading for something you don't deserve. Mercy is showing compassion and pity on somebody that doesn't deserve it. And you know what the Bible says about mercy? It says that God is the God of mercy. Like Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that God is rich in mercy. There's plenty of scriptures in the Bible I could go through that tell you that God is a merciful God. Like He gives us what we don't deserve. All of us, none of us deserve heaven. And yet God extended it. He's merciful. He, he's merciful and He's gracious. Now those two words go hand in hand. To be mercy. They're both about um, they're both, this, this idea of, mer- of mercy is, is not getting what you deserve, okay? The idea of grace is getting what you don't deserve. So it's all about your relationship with the, with the situation. Like, I'm not getting this or I am getting this. So when it comes to mercy or grace, if, you're, if God's being merciful to you, then he's not giving you what you deserve. If God is being gracious to you, then he is giving you what you don't deserve, you see? And so, you know, they go hand in hand. But here they say, God, would you just be merciful in my situation, I know there's plenty of you here that are asking God to do that. God, would you just be merciful? Would you, would you help me in this situation? And He's a merciful God. And He does extend His mercy upon us. The fact that you're breathing here right now is God being merciful. He's merciful. He loves you. These lepers are banking on the mercy of God here because they know they don't, they don't stand a chance of receiving healing in their lives based on who they are. They don't stand a chance, but they don't deserve it. And yet, Jesus is a merciful God, and they're depending on his mercy. Say, Jesus, have mercy on us. I love this. And it says that he saw them. He saw them. He sees you. He sees you right where you are. He sees you in your loneliness. He sees you in your darkness. He sees you in your worst moments. And he says, I love you. And I know you're going through a tough time. I know that you're struggling. I know that you're questioning. But let me lavish my love on you. I love you. You're not going to do anything that's going to push me away from you except for reject me. Don't reject me. Invite me into this place. Let me give you mercy. He saw them. And when he saw them, what did he do? He said to them, I love that because it's God seeing you in your situation and then meeting you with his word. That's what he does. He's given us this. He's not here physically, but he is here spiritually. He is here, you know, and uh, in, in not necessarily in, in a way that we can see him, but his word is as powerful as it ever has been. And so when we apply that to our life in our situation, man, we watch him work. The, the healing came right then in his word. When his, when his word came forth, because there is power in his word. So when he, Jesus speaks, stuff happens. Like when he says, let there be, boom, there is. Like there's power in his word. And so when he, he, he says, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests, they, that process had started. It was just a matter of timing for God, you know, to reveal to them that they'd been healed because his word is mighty and powerful and it does not turn, return void. So when he said, go and show... You know, that now everything's hinging on what they're going to do with his word. Isn't that, the, you know, the power of God's word is only powerful if you apply it to your life. You know that? Like, you can't, you're not just going to, like, I know there's power in his word, so I'm not going to do anything. God provide. You're a provider. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to get a job. You got you to apply it to your life. You have to apply his word to your life. And so when you apply it to your life, when you apply his word, you see the power in it. And when they applied his word to go and show, they were healed, it says. Like instantly, they were healed. Now, they were cleansed. Like they, they had changed. Like, the, you know, dude's like, Dude, you got a nose. What? You got a nose now, man. And, and these guys were like this one time, you know. There were some of them were like this, some of them were like this. Now they're all like this. What? What's going on? I got hands? You know, I mean, they, they take, take their hoods off. You know, their faces are... Back to normal. Whoa, man! You look like you freaked me out before, but you still do. But okay, you, you look normal apparently. But um, you know, the whole idea that they were they were they were cleansed by his word, like his word met them, and when they activated it by faith, they had to walk by faith in his word, and when they did that, they noticed that they were cleansed. And the application for us is to uh, to take. God's word and to apply it to our lives and do what it says and trust that it's going to transform your life. And it will because it's a sword. And it's like a surgical tool. And it cuts away the things that don't belong in your life. And it tells you, no, that's not good for you. Let's cut that out. Now, you have a choice whether you're going to apply that to your life or not. And you can either become more like Jesus or not. If you want to become more like Jesus, you've got to apply his word in your life. If you want to see the power of his word in your life, you've got to apply it. They asked him for mercy. He told them to go and show themselves to the priests. And then it says they were cleansed. They were cleansed. Just like you when you confessed your sin to God. And you said, Lord, I need a savior. And I believe Jesus is that savior. I believe that he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead. And I'm putting my faith in that. I'm putting my faith in your word and what it says about Jesus because I wasn't there. And that is faith. Trusting and believing without seeing. So I'm putting my faith in that. And when you do that, you are immediately cleansed. Your sins are gone. You've been wiped, wiped clean. You have no more on your slate. You were you are been washed in the blood of Christ. You are clothed in this white robe. And you know, even God tells um, uh, tells uh, the prophet Isaiah, He said, "Let us come, reason together." Like that's a reasonable thing for us to come to God and to to lay our burdens down before Him and to, to, to bring our sin to Him and let Him wash us with His blood, wash us white as snow. He would say in that passage. He cleanses you when you put your faith in Him. When you actively walk in His Word, and as a believer, you're cleansed. You're justified. Not based on anything you've done. You don't deserve it. But he gave it to you. Because he's a merciful God. Faith that heals is also a forever grateful faith. Look, check this out. Verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. (laughs) And I love now that he, now he was a Samaritan. Just like put that out there. Like he's a Samaritan. So, so here's what happens is once they start to notice that they're being transformed and changed, like in the, in the instant that they, they activated his word by their faith, um, once they saw that they were healed, they turned back. They turned back to Jesus. One of them turned back. He said, man, I recognize, listen, th- th- this is the thing, is God works in every person in this world. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or an unbeliever. God is at work. God worked in so many ways in my life. I can tell you one, one time I was in big trouble. I mean big trouble, like federal trouble. Now, <laughs> I didn't kill anybody or anything, but I, was, I, I lived in Montana, but, and they, they, uh, my parents used to clean a bar. And uh, when I was like 19 years old, they asked me to go clean it. And who at 19 is not going to go clean a bar and not saved. Hello, I'll do it. And so I go in there, and me and my buddies are in there messing around, and they got, in Montana, you can gamble. So they got gaming machines. Well, did you know messing around with those things is a federal offense? And I had just, you know, been with my friends a couple of weekends before, and I watched them rip off a bunch of uh, um, uh, vending machines with a magic dollar bill. I won't tell you how to do it because you'll probably try. But I went, I went into the, this same mentality. I was trying to apply this incredible knowledge that I'd been given, you know, <laughs> So I go into the, uh, the, the, this bar and I try and do this thing that we were doing with the dollar bill and it didn't work. The dollar bill got stuck in the thing and I was like, oh, no big deal. Whatever, it didn't work. Didn't think anything of it until I got a call the next day by the Federal Gaming Commission of Montana and they said, hey, do you want to go to prison for a while? And I was like, uh, no, thank you. And he said, well, you need to come in and meet with us because, you know, you, you are facing that kind of Criminal charges with what you were trying to do. Apparently, they have, uh, you know, they they know the time and everything when you put a dollar bill in there. So, don't ever do that, by the way. But uh, I end up, I'm I'm praying to God like I don't, I don't have a relationship with God at this point, but I'm trying to get one now. <laughs> and I'm praying with everything that I got. I'm like God, you got to save me here. Like this is serious. I can't believe that I that I was messing around with this stuff, man. I need you to save me. Will you save me, please, God? If you do this, I will. I, I won't do this stuff anymore, man. And you know the prayer because you've done it. God, just get me out of this situation. I need this physical situation. I need this physical healing to happen. But I'm not really worried about the rest of it, right? And so God does get me out of it. I, you know, got out of it with uh, some community service or whatever. Um, and my point in telling you that is because I wasn't looking beyond that. As soon as, as soon as I prayed that prayer and God gave me what I wanted, I was out. Like I wasn't worried about what I said to him in the moment. I was like, oh, well, that, that was coincidental. <laughs> I guess I'll go live my life however I want now. And, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, God heals people that don't know him. God works miraculously in people that don't know him. It's not like he's only doing this in believers. He's doing this in unbelievers' lives. And it's a way that he's drawing them. You know, he's trying to help them see, yes, I am here. I do exist. I, I love you and I will work in your life. You have no, uh, you know, you don't deserve being, me doing these things, but I'm doing it because I'm a merciful and gracious God. And so, you know, but, but they're not looking beyond. And so, nine of these guys are in the same camp I was when I was 19, and I prayed to God and I just took his blessing and I, I bailed on him. But one of them said, Hold on a second, there's more to this Jesus than just this one physical healing that I need. Like, I, like that's temporal. Maybe he got it in the moment. I don't know what was going on in his mind but what we know is that he turned back to Jesus like there was something that changed in his life that he was like whoa that was awesome I'm going back that way like I want more of what he has so he turns back to Jesus man and with a loud voice like like that word in the Greek is like with a megaphone he's like praise God you know he's just going off and 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 you, he didn't care about what anybody else thought in those moments because he knew that his life had just been transformed and changed. And he was all about Jesus at that point. Who cares what the world thinks? I was a leper, but I'm no longer a leper. I was dead, but I've been made alive. Like I've been, I was unclean, but now I'm clean. This guy was praising God with, the, with everything that he had. And as he approaches Jesus, the closer you get to Jesus, the lower you start to get. The closer you get, the lower you start to get. And before you know it, he drops on his face before God right at his feet at that point, and he just drops down in a mode of worship. You know, praise is something that sort of progresses us towards God, but the closer we get, the lower we go. And then all of a sudden, that's what I love about, it's called praise and worship, and we have a, a, an incredible worship pastor that knows how to do that. You know, he, he knows how to draw us in with praise and then put us down on our face before the Lord, and that's what it's meant to do. We enter his courts with praise, But by the time we get to the sanctuary, buddy, we are on our faces. Like we are in an intimate time with the Lord. Like you are awesome and I am not. You are holy and I am not, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. And he fell at his feet. Now, Luke makes a mention of his nationality here, like who he is. This guy's a Samaritan. Now, if anybody should have done this, it should not have been a Samaritan. There were nine Jews and Jesus, by the way, he said, go show yourself to the priests because one of them was a Samaritan and, and nine of them were Jews. The nine Jews should have turned around and came back. They had, they had that belief. They understood that when that happened, like that was God. And yet the foreigner comes. The foreigner. It's a picture of the Gentiles. It's a picture of what God was going to do through Jesus and that the Jews would reject him. They wouldn't accept him, and yet the Gentiles would come. The Samaritans and Jews hated each other, by the way. The only only thing that kept these people together was the fact that they were in the same boat. Like they were lepers. And they were shunned from everybody else. But man, when they were clean, they were split, divided. Hey, man, you go your way, I'm going my way because you got your priest, I have my priest. The only one to return was a foreigner. And yet there are many foreigners. The Jews would look at us as foreigners today as, as we are establishing relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. When I was in Israel not too long ago, one of the guys at a t-shirt shop said, you know, there is one commonality that Christians have and Jews have above anyone else is that we do serve the same God, Yahweh. Yahweh. You know, and, and, and of course we believe that the only way you can get there is Jesus. They believe the way you have to get there is to be a Jew. And so there was an arrogance there. I'm not going to go bow before him. I got what I wanted. Now I'm out. And maybe you've done that. But there comes a time in your life where you have to recognize the workings of Jesus and, and recognize what he's done for you and let your praise turn into worship and, and allow that humility to come out and to fall down at your, on your face before him. This guy had no care in the world about what everybody else was thinking. Like he was, he was just worshiping God. And oh, that we would do that in our daily lives. We would just worship Jesus in our workplaces, in, our, in the grocery store. You know, that we would just, just be about that because people see that. And they recognize, whoa, that's different. What's, what, you know, and then they start to watch your life. This guy fell at the feet of Jesus. Next, look at the verse 17. Then he then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Three questions. Were not ten cleansed were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? And was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Look, that blows my mind. Jesus is saying that that you would come out of all of them. I'm glad you did, but that you know, that's unprecedented. That shouldn't have happened that way. It really, the way it should have happened is the Jews should have come, but they've already rejected me, and that's just another uh, sign that the Jews have rejected Jesus. Were not ten cleansed? The answer, obviously, is yes, ten were cleansed. Ten were cleansed, and yet, as I said before, oftentimes we look for the work of God. He's at work in the world, and he's doing things, but only only a few people will recognize his hand and will come and fall before him, right? Where are the nine, Jesus says. It's not like he doesn't know where they are. He knows where they are. They, they bailed on him. Where did they turn? Like, what are they, where are they going now? Where, where is their life headed? The same place it was headed before this cleansing. It did nothing for them spiritually. Like, God can encounter your life and he can do incredible things in your life that doesn't make you saved. That shows His mercy in your life. So you know that's not evidence of your salvation. Is the fact that God did something, you know, ten years ago in your life, and you you're, you're not really serving Him, you're not really loving on Him, but but you're saved, you know, because God did a miracle in your life and He saved your cousin Eddie, you know, uh, of some disease, and and because you prayed, that doesn't make you saved. You know what makes you saved is coming and bowing down before Jesus and laying your 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 sin at his feet and saying I need a savior it's by faith where did these guys go they had faith to believe in me then but they don't have faith enough to believe in me now they were, they were about the temporal the nine got sucked into the temporal mindset and they weren't worried about Jesus and then he's, as he said you know was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner Like this guy doesn't even get it all And he's here. And you know what? That was me. And that was you. I have no clue what I was doing when I gave my heart to Jesus. I had no clue what it it all entailed. But what I knew is I needed him. I knew everything I needed to know. I didn't have a theology at all, which was beautiful. Because I was just in this simple relationship with God. Just loving on him, saying, God, I know that you're able and that you're willing to do this work in my life, and I'm putting my trust and faith in you. And the moment I did, my life changed, and it just established that simple, beautiful relationship with God that is by faith. That I just trust what He says, and I do what He says, and it's that simple. It's when we try and help out God with our theology, and we want to make it say what we think it should say. Well, I don't like that. I don't. I don't think Jesus is really God, so uh, I don't like that. That doesn't make sense to me. So I'll just take that out and. Oh, well, 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 you know, of course, I don't really like this either because, you know, that's kind of my bent. I kind of like doing that, so I'm going to take that one out too because I really like, you know, that that's you can't do that. He's, he, he establishes the rules. We just get to follow them, And then we complicate our relationship with God because we stop responding by faith and we start to make it all this logical game. And he just says, man, can you just get back to where you were? when you first came to me, and when you operated by faith. And so if there's anything you get out of this as a believer today, I would encourage you to get back to that place where you turned around and you fell at his feet and you were worshiping him and it wasn't complicated. Like it was just a, a natural response to his loving kindness in your life. As a believer, so oftentimes, man, we've, We've lost that, that new believer's zeal. Why? Why? Shouldn't we? The clo- why, why is it that the, the closer, you know, the more years we walk with Jesus, the less passionate we get about him? How does that work? Isn't it like, isn't education, isn't the more you know supposed to build up that? Like, like hey, man, he's greater than I thought. He's bigger than I knew. You know, but yet oftentimes this goes the opposite way. How does that work? We let it happen because we complicate it. Jesus is just saying, respond to me today in simple faith, man. You know, I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You came to me by faith, and and that's how you were saved. And you can come to me today with whatever's going on in your life by faith and trust my word and apply it to your life and believe that I'm going to do it because I will. I will. And if I don't do it exactly the way you like it, just trust me. Listen. It's almost, it's an indictment on God's church. That last question he asked. Do the foreigners have to come to show us how to do it? Like, Do we need other people outside of the church to come show us how to be Christians? Like, Did, did the Samaritan have to come show the Jew that Jesus was the Messiah? They had all the knowledge. And I'm saying we have knowledge in this place. Let's apply it. Let's act like we believe what this says. And let's just make it simple, right? Listen. The one that came when he did come, when he did turn, when he did fall down before the Lord, Jesus said, rise. Almost. You you were dead. Now you rise. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Or you know, another translation of that last part is your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Faith that heals doesn't only touch your physical life, but real faith that heals, you know, translates into a spiritual healing. And that's the whole point of it. You listen, God is not about the external stuff. He uses the external stuff to get to the internal stuff. And he wants to use this external stuff in your life, whatever it is, even though it's hard even, he wants to use those things to, 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 to do something spiritual in your life. You've got to trust him with it, and you've got to walk by faith in it. And so he would tell you this morning, man, just trust me. Just, just come by faith and allow me to make you well in your situation, whether it means just, he just gives us the ability to walk through it or he gives us some comfort to get through it or he takes it away, whatever it is these lepers were transformed man their lives were forever changed and nine of them continued on the same path they started with like like they they didn't change and so they weren't saved but this one his life was transformed like he was completely changed his life was radically different after he left that meeting with Jesus and so too ours is if we come to him by faith and we expect him to do what he says Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you that you are a God of mercy and that you love us with a merciful love, Lord, that, that is beyond what we deserve. And we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word and just for the example that we have in these ten lepers, Lord, particularly the one that would come after being touched by you, would come and fall on, your, on his face before you, Lord, and recognize that you are you are truly master. You are above all things. And yet the nine, they would go their way. And one day they will hear from you again. Depart from me. I never knew you. Lord, let that not be the case for any of us. Father, we want to respond to you this morning. Every one of us in our own situations, in our own circumstances so we want to just give you the freedom for the next few minutes, Lord, by your spirit to just move in our midst. We ask you to bring healing in our lives. Whether we need physical healing, Lord, whether we need uh, emotional healing, mental healing, Lord, spiritual healing, today we're looking to you. You're our only hope, Lord. We don't deserve you, but you gave us you. And we're asking you, Lord, by faith to move in our midst, and we're going to be thankful for whatever you do. Because whatever you do is far more than what we deserve. And so as we close today, Lord, would you meet us? Would you just speak into our lives? And if there's anyone here this morning that needs a relationship with Jesus, would you just come down to the front? After after this closing song, we'll pray a prayer with you and we'll give you some resources to start walking with Jesus. But as we close, we want you always to know that the the altar is open. If you want to come do some business before the Lord at the altar, what's the big deal of that? It's just intimacy with you. It's you saying, Lord, I believe you're here. And I'm going to come to the altar. It's a picture of you coming right to the feet of Jesus and laying down whatever it is you need to lay down. And so it's open always. But if you want to come, if you want some prayer after the service, please come up. We'll pray with you. But uh, let's just let the Lord move in our midst. Amen. Thanks for listening.